0: Welcome to The Word at Westminster, a podcast with talks, studies, interviews, sermons, and more from Westminster Church in Barrie, Canada. It's about learning and living God's Word. Hi, everyone. I was talking to someone recently from the congregation, and they asked for some suggestions, resources about you know, books, uh, something that resource they could get into kind of in the lead up to Easter. This is often a time that we think of as a kind of spiritual training, uh, drawing closer to God intentionally. And this person asked me for some references around some books. And so I thought it might be a good idea to put something together, some suggestions that are kind of broad in nature, so might appeal to a variety of different people. Um, But at the same time, have some some real meat and potatoes to them uh, in our discipleship. So um, I've just kind of Put this together. I had a little window of time here, and so uh, I haven't transcripted this out. But I'm just going to share them with you. Uh, those of you listening to the podcast, you won't see the images that I'm sharing, that what the books look like. But I will name the titles, and so you should be able to uh, hear them. So there's eight books, and I'm just going to share them with you and, and a few things about them. So uh, the first is called The Reason for God. This is by Tim Keller. Uh, the subtitle is Belief in an age of skepticism. So this came out a little while ago. It's a New York Times bestseller. Tim Keller is a pastor in the, in the PCA. He's retired uh, from doing that, but he's a writer. He's going through a cancer battle right now. But uh, I really like this book, and so many people have. It's recommended by Billy Graham and others. But the idea here is this is about uh, engaging your faith Uh, in a very intelligent uh, way, thinking through primarily first some of the big objections to Christianity, questions maybe you have had or that other people have had, and then some responses too. So let me just share, for example, these are what the chapters are. uh, Part one, there can't just be one true religion. How could a good God allow suffering? Christianity is a straitjacket. The church is responsible for so much injustice. How can a loving God send people to hell? Science has disproved Christianity. You can't take the Bible literally. And so that first half, he kind of addresses in a very thoughtful way some of these common objections to Christianity and gives us some really think, um, thoughtful things to think about. And Keller is a really engaging writer too. So you know, brings in illustrations and, and, and quotes from thoughtful people. On the second half, these are reasons for faith. And so here are the, the chapter titles The Clues of God, The Knowledge of God, The Problem of Sin, Religion and the Gospel, The True Story of the Cross the reality of the resurrection, the dance of God, and then the epilogue, where do we go from here? So that's the first one, the reason for God, belief in an age of skepticism. And we certainly are in an age of, of skepticism, certainly here in North America. Uh, the second book is by uh, one of my favorite authors, Nikos Kazantzakis, and it's called St. Francis. So this is a novel. So uh, St. Francis, um, he li- yeah, I think he died in the early 13th century 1226 perhaps, um, but early 13th century anyway, and we know some things about him, uh, his life, The Little Flowers of St. Francis, but uh, what this does is this kind of, it's a novel, so Cousin Sakas, he goes in and he fills in some of the details, and so if you've been watching a TV show like uh, The Chosen, right, we know the names of the apostles, Jesus, some of those events, uh, and, and the, the text certainly, the, the teachings of Jesus we know. But that show goes about and kind of fills in some of the details about you know what it must have been like for peter and his wife whom they call eden and and between some of the brothers and what it was like in capernaum those sorts of things and so in a similar way uh, cousin zakis fills in some of the details of what saint francis's life was like and francis is known for uh dedication to a life of sharing the good news about jesus uh serving others uh living a life of poverty um so really an, an inspiring figure through history he receives the stigmata um uh, towards the end of his life so that's kind of more of a novel it's not short it's like 600 pages see how thick it is but uh i really enjoyed that i read that probably 10 years ago but it was it was something that was kind of a, a devotional piece to go into but a bit different now lee strobel wrote something called the case for christmas now it's a very short book and lee strobel is a you know kind of atheist turned Christian and he's become an apologist which means uh, the name apologist is a bit misleading it's really about you know explaining or defending the Christian faith but we gave several hundred of these uh, away at a Christmas Eve service a couple years ago but uh, he has just come out with the case for Easter so I printed out that's what the that's what the cover looks like uh, a journalist investigates the evidence for the resurrection also a pretty small book and so what he goes through and says okay this is this is the foundation of the Christian faith. You take the crucifixion away and 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 nothing else matters. The whole, we all go home. They'll nothing makes sense. So he goes through, you know, exploring the evidence from a rational perspective about the claims of the resurrection. So especially at this time of year that might be something good. A little while ago on the podcast, I had the opportunity to interview Tom Rainer, who is the former CEO of LifeWay. He is the president of Church Answers. He writes a lot of books and we were talking about the difference between uh, being a church member and a church consumer, and um, one of his books is called "I Am a Church Member." And so it's really short; it's like 60, 70 pages. Um, discovering the attitudes that makes a diff- the difference. So maybe you're someone who you know needs to think a bit more proactively about who you are in the church, uh, whom the whom the church, uh, uh, whom the Bible calls in 1 Corinthians twelve, the body of Christ. So, for example, here I'm just going to read out that. The chapter titles and maybe something there strikes you and you think this is what's next in your own journey. Uh, I will be a functioning church member. I will be a unifying church member. I will not let my church be about my desires and preferences, sorry, desires. I will pray for my church leaders. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. I will treasure church membership as a gift. So maybe that's something that, that interests you. Uh, the next book is called celebration of discipline and this is a classic the path to spiritual growth by richard foster so when it comes to spiritual disciplines these are habits and practices we do which uh, help us to draw closer to god and which god sets out for us and so you know bible reading or study or prayer or fasting or worship or uh, meditation meaning like christian meditation reflecting on god's word. Uh, anyway, so this is this has really grown as a classic and so this has helped me personally. I know it's helped a lot of people. and this is meat and potatoes folks. So um, let me just read you something from kind of the opening chapter. He says, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary is primarily is a sorry is a primary spiritual problem. We must not be led to believe that the disciplines are for spiritual giants and hence beyond our reach, or for contemplatives who devote all their time to prayer and meditation. Far from it. God intends the disciplines of the spiritual life to be for ordinary human beings, people who have jobs, who care for children, who must wash dishes and mow lawns, etc. In fact, the disciplines are best exercised in the midst of our normal daily activities. And so this is something you want to go deeper and richer. This is someone who wants to take their own growth um, in discipleship quite seriously. Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, you you can get that in a variety of different, um, versions. Uh, J.I. Packer, so he was a professor, uh, he, uh, he's Canadian actually, but has had kind of an impact all over the world. This is a, um, classic. It's called Knowing God, and he goes through it, and uh, I actually, I've heard about this for a long time. I didn't, Really read it until till last year, but uh, he goes. It's really about understanding who God is, and the more we understand about who God is, the nature, um, characteristics of God, um, the more informed we will be as serious disciples of Jesus. So again, this isn't some some little devotional fluff book that you're going to read in in an afternoon. Uh, this is. This is good, solid stuff, but it's still accessible, like you're gonna understand it. And he includes all the biblical references about the things he talks about when he goes through. Here's a quote from page 15. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it, a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. Uh, This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. And so he sets out that very serious statement, but then goes about helping us and and guiding us through how we can actually know and understand God uh, in a better way. Very scriptural, um, very strong theologian. Next, uh, this is again, a classic. So this is talking about books that are gonna help us grow deeper, right? So I'm sharing with you some what I think are significant works from from the course of history. So this is called The Cost of Discipleship, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, theologian, um, professor. He, he opposed um, uh, Hitler and the Nazis. He was imprisoned in the closing uh, days of World War II and was actually executed in those closing days of World War II. But one of his enduring contributions has been the cost of uh, discipleship. And so he goes through so many different aspects, of what is cheap grace versus what is costly grace, so many... Um so, so much of this book is dedicated to undercovering, uh, undercovering you know, uh, exploring the Sermon on the Mount, so probably the most famous religious teaching ever that, that Jesus offers us in Matthew chapter uh, chapters five, six, and seven. Uh, speaking of J. A. A. Packer, you know author of Knowing God, uh, Packer calls the Sermon on the Mount the, uh, the charter for the kingdom of God the charter for the kingdom of God. And I think that's really helpful. And so he unpacks this so much and really takes you know sacrifice and discipleship seriously. Like he's not messing around. And uh, I think one of his quotes is, when Christ calls a man or a person, he bids him come and die, right? Dying to self uh, as we take up the cross of Jesus, uh, as we seek to know, love, serve, glorify God in the world. So the cost of discipleship. Uh, Lastly, uh, this is one that is very special to me and historically is very, very significant. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. And this is by John Bunyan, uh, written while he was in prison in the late 1600s in England. So historically of significance, The Pilgrim's Progress, again, written while while Bunyan, uh, uh, he was a tinker, he wasn't really an educated, um, didn't have a lot of formal education, but he was a preacher, powerful, uh, people with much more you know, authority, influence, education that himself appreciated his ability to communicate and, and to teach about Jesus and the Christians, Christian life. So uh, The Pilgrim's Progress was written while he was in, uh, in jail. It's really an allegory, and the main character is Christian and he leaves the city of destruction to go to, on a journey to the celestial city. And so he meets different people. He, 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 he falls down. He gets up. He has help. He has to go through the through the gate. He goes to the palace, beautiful, go past the lions who are chained. Actually, that's one of my favorite scenes, and I love it. These, these old editions have pictures in them, and this is – I'll hold it up to those watching this, uh, the video. This is uh, Christian uh, going – between the lions, but the lions are changed and chained to the wall. And so they can't really, um, they can't really threaten or, or hurt him, but this is a, a test of faith. And he goes to the Palace of Be- Beautiful and I, it's, it's made by the the Lord of the Hill for the relief and security of pilgrims. And so it's written really well. So it goes through as he goes to the, through to the Celestial City. And then uh, part two is his family uh, coming through, also uh, making their way in in christian's own footsteps so this is really rich now let's just let me give you a quick insight about the historical significance of this so this has inspired and encouraged millions of christians all over the world and so for over 300 years it has it has done so it's been translated into about 200 languages and it is um it is the um highest selling or most selling devotional work in the english language outside of the bible which is really an amazing accomplishment. I will give a little footnote that it is written in older English. So, you know, you really kind of have to, you know, you have to sort of get a feel for it as you go along. And so that might be a bit of a stumbling block for some people. If you can, I encourage you to use it, to read it in the original English, uh, older English. But if you can't, there are newer versions of it. So look for, you know, the Pilgrim's Progress and Updated Language, and there are newer editions where the the language sounds a bit more... um, a bit more current. So those are eight books, and and maybe there's something in there that will be a help to you as you seek to grow closer to God. As it says in James 4, verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let's read and grow as disciples in the footsteps of the risen Jesus.